0: There's a lot of small pleasures to be had in the opening of this film. Uh, I, I do have to say that one of them is, of course, Kong, just getting a little tush scratch.
1: Yeah. Day in
2: the Life of Kong is very sweet.
1: Yeah, I, I do. You know, so he gets up, brushes his teeth, you know,
0: very kind of Shrek in his swamp.
2: Mm-hmm. It is yep.
0: the most Shrek-influenced sequence uh, of the last uh, 10 to 15 years, you could argue. I love um, it. Let me ask you this. Speaking of its its trickery, uh spoilers <laughs> ahoy for this brand new release, uh, although it's within the first five minutes. So does it count? Uh, how uh, how shocked were you when it was revealed that it was the Kongman show? The,
1: the, the what?
2: The uh, Kongman oh, show. The, the Truman the Show. But with
1: Kong. Oh, 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 that, like, no, I don't know if I was shocked by it. I was just, yeah, before, I mean, hadn't had time to really formulate an opinion. So I was like, oh, yeah, well, that yeah, makes I sense. Agreed. They did that, I mean, huh?
2: and it checks out considering the events of the last what three movies yeah so
0: okay you're right shocked is probably the wrong word i guess uh, delighted might be more accurate
2: it's a cool bit right yeah I, I like it it also has this hunger games thing where they you know in hunger games they target the the shields in one of the i think in the second one catching fire when they're uh,
0: oh yeah they target the
2: dome as well Hey, Arthur,
0: I just realized I have no waveform.
2: I'm my seeing one.
1: I see okay, one, cool. and I hear you.
2: Yeah, so Weird. I think you're good. Okay. My, it does that to me sometimes, too.
0: Okay, good to know.
1: Well, now that we've got Sorry. the technology figured out, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast, <laughs> where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film space class. This week's film is a brand spanking new release, thanks to HBO Go's. A home delivery methodology that they put together with warner brothers uh we're looking at godzilla versus kong
0: uh i love that dustin got the streaming service name wrong uh gu- guaranteeing we won't pick up that corporate sponsorship uh the i think
2: i did warner it last week too so <laughs> who cares it's just gonna to become it. an ongoing joke now what is it
0: uh, HBO max book. not yeah you said go not max but truly who gives a shit it's cinemax go uh is what we
2: uh <laughs> crackle is lit these days i tell you what <laughs>
0: Uh, Warner Brothers uh, Bridge Burner uh, app. Uh, oh, my.
2: Uh, hey, I'm still Dustin. <laughs> I'm still Arthur.
0: And I am still Dalton, and I like it when the two guys become friends. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, uh, that's the thing. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. In case you're tuning in for the very first time, dear friends, uh, this is an analysis show, not a review show, and that does mean there are required spoilers for what we do. And we realize and recognize it's a brand spanking new release, but this is what we'll tell you. We will avoid spoilers the best we can through the synopsis, through the thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, and through the uh, expanding the syllabus exercise. And then once we say it's business time and we have music that tells you we're getting down to business, that's when all spoiler bets are off. And so that way you know and you have been warned. So without any further ado, Mr. Arthur Gordon, uh, can you delight us with the synopsis of this Rock'em Sock'em Mutants movie?
2: (sighs) Following his win over King Ghidorah, Godzilla was presumed to have been at peace with humanity. However, he arises from the sea with an unprovoked attack on the Apex Corporation. Meanwhile, his age-old rival Kong is recruited to lead an expedition to Hollow Earth. When Godzilla realizes his rival has left Skull Island, it is only a matter of time before the irresistible force meets the immovable object tune in to wrestlemania for this and other mega matchups only on peacock oh godzilla you don't
1: want to see me outside of the arena brother now wait a minute you got peacock right and we got hbm wrong
2: it's the no. streaming wars nothing makes sense
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well usually i go in order of virginity in asking for thumbs up thumbs down reviews but we're all equally virgins to this uh, so I'm just gonna go first to uh, little Donkey Kong there, uh, Diddy Kong, mm. um, Dalton Stewart. <laughs> if you would, uh, what do you think of Godzilla well, Dustin, versus Kong? I
0: would, I would remind you that we're three grown men with a movie podcast, and it uh, speaks pretty highly to our, our virginal status. Most weeks, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you to hold two opposite truths in your mind uh, at once, everyone. Uh, This movie is very dumb and makes me question the point of filmmaking. And at the same time, oh, is it a lot of fun? Oh, is it a joy? Is it a dumb, 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 good time? Sometimes things are dumb in in a good way, I suppose. Uh, I I shouldn't be throwing around uh, such a basic adjective so freely, but that truly is the best descriptor for this movie. Um, And I think that that's okay. For the most part, uh we can get in some to some quibbles here in a moment uh but you know this is a film that rests in the shadow of of dumb films of yore right This is not the first time uh Zilla and Kong have gone toe to toe uh I think it's the first time not produced by toho if i'm unless I'm mistaken um but but this is a movie that rests uh comfortably on the shoulders of drive-in and grindhouse giants, right? This is a legacy of of dumbness. Uh, Did we need a a massive studio production that dumped, you know, however countless millions of dollars uh, into a a production of this fight? I don't know, probably not. But, you know, if we ask questions like, did we need to, we wouldn't have half the movies we talk about on this show. Um, It's fun, right? It, It delivers what it promises, now, that said, wow, is it weird that a franchise that started out with a uh, movie from the director of Monsters, the, you know, the, the big spooky uh, Where Are the Giant Monsters movie, um, and, and brought that energy to his blockbuster, um, made a, a Godzilla movie where you barely see Godzilla. So, uh, you know, your mileage may vary on, on how much that works for you in that film, but it's definitely a... Uh, Grounded, for lack of a better word, take on a giant lizard attacking a a city. Uh, The diminishing returns on the human cost really are weird on this franchise. Uh, It's like if they'd made three sequels to, I don't know, let's say Zero Dark 30. Uh, and by the, <laughs> by the fourth one, Jessica Chastain was uh, rappelling down a building with Tom Cruise uh, firing a submachine gun. <laughs> Bin Laden um, strikes
1: back. I mean, what yeah, even I, sure. Uh,
0: <laughs> I guess the fourth one's probably about ISIS or QAnon. Uh, I guess the third one would have been about ISIS. The fourth one probably would have been about QAnon. Uh, wow, well, stay tuned f- for more pitches from the Zero Dark Thirty cinematic universe. <laughs> um, uh yeah, it's a dumb movie. Uh it it's weird that podcasts are just now a plot device in movies. Uh, yeah. uh Starting with the uh the Halloween reboot that you mentioned a couple weeks ago, Arthur. Mm-hmm. Um I don't I don't know. There there's more to get into with weird stuff like that in this movie, but that's like the most human thing is, is that Brian Tyree Henry uh is a podcaster with the deceased spouse. Um I, I don't know. Uh Ken Watanabe's uh character from the previous movies uh has a son that shows up. I only know that because I read about it. Uh, Not information I believe was covered in the film.
1: I don't think I gained that information from the film either. I didn't realize that. I know who you're talking about, but I didn't realize he was supposed to be Ken Watanabe's character's son. He sure
0: was.
2: huh? I kind of assumed he was.
0: Yeah, uh, Lance Reddick also had uh, a lot more story at one point. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, the the Rin uh, Shirazawa character probably had uh, a parsed down uh role uh, this definitely feels like a movie that was kind of chopped together uh one to five different ways you know what i mean it, it, there are a lot of scenes that kind of feel like uh they could have been flipped around and i, I don't necessarily like that in my movies uh <laughs> if at all possible i appreciate it but not that i'm i can't follow a, a non-linear plot but i do appreciate it when uh the action of one scene uh precedes the other uh I, I don't know, I I guess, uh, I'm not trying to bag on uh, the film too hard, uh, or Adam Wingard, for that matter, a director who I, you know, I like I, about as much of his stuff as I don't like, uh, and the stuff I don't like, I at least think is interesting. Um, I don't know, it's, Arthur, you mentioned this last week when we you were teeing up this episode, it, it is a weird little franchise, uh, insofar as the direct one-to-one correspondency with, like, the MCU playbook, uh, as far as... We, gobbling up indie directors, uh, mm-hmm. that might have a take on giant monsters. Um, I don't, I don't know. I could have done with another Adam Wingard, uh, uh, spooky house movie, uh, with, with murders, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, it, it's fine though. Right. I had a good time. I hope y'all had a good time. I look forward to hearing your favorite moments from this, this funny movie. Uh, I like the lighting of the big cities, the neon it's cool. Like the, the giant monster fights look good. Uh, but again the human moments are so deeply boring uh, and this franchise you know it has had its peaks and its ebbs and its flows and its valleys but at the very least i found the human characters likable ish compelling ish in all the previous entries and boy do i not care about anybody in this movie uh except for the undisputed queen of thankless roles rebecca hall uh frequently carrying scenes upon her shoulders uh, she's got a, a movie she direct coming out. You guys know about this? I did not. Yeah, uh, we'll talk more about it later, probably. Uh, that's all I've got. You know, I'm, I'm now starting to talk about the uh, careers of people in the movie, so that's a good time for me to wrap it up. Uh, it's a gentleman's two point five. You know, uh, <laughs> it is what it says on the tin.
1: All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What say you regarding Godzilla versus Kong?
2: Uh, this movie is a masterpiece, and I'm about to drive across the town and beat Dalton up with uh, my bare fists. It's going to be Arthur versus Dalton. Uh, <sighs> I'm not even taking bets on 20 that minutes. Um, it's so it's only a matter of time. Here's where we stand. Uh, <laughs> the immovable logic is about to come fight the irresistible mouth. Um, I, I, Dalton's right. This is a fascinating franchise because somehow with every entry, it's gotten better. Uh, until the, the final synthesis here Of Godzilla versus Kong uh, Which has done away with Most of the least interesting element Of these films Which are the humans um, Somehow though Uh, the MonsterVerse has uh, consistently gotten better at casting. Uh, and this entry is no different. Um, the arrival of Brian Tyree, Henry, Rebecca Hall, Skarsgård, Julia Dennison, uh, and, and the young, uh, Kaylee Hoddle, the, uh, young deaf actress, um, who plays, you know, Kong's best friend. Uh, uh, they all, uh, show up to collect their paycheck in an admirable way. and, And I respect that, uh, they, they started this effort with Brian Cranston way back in 2014 and delivered on that with each entry. Uh, the problem with those previous films is they spent way too much time worrying about what Aaron Taylor Johnson was doing. The, the least interesting actor in the world.
0: Well, now I will um, agree with, with that sentiment, of course. Okay. Uh, d- didn't need that, although I do like the, uh, the parachuting sequence in that movie quite a bit.
2: The one thing it has going for it. Um, this movie knows exactly what it is uh, it knows what it's about uh and when i think wingard manages to uh shift and navigate the tone uh to a more fitting place than the the last entry um king of monsters i, I think that it is a pure synthesis of what works the best in king of monsters and what works the best on skull island uh, and and synthesizes that into a more cohesive package here. Uh, it feels like a perfect marriage in the tone of those two movies where where they need to meet. Mm. Uh, I think something that King of Monsters itself struggled with quite a bit. Uh, I think his visual style, I, I think of the, the directors to tackle these these franchises, his style comes across the best uh, visually and just overall the way he handles it. Uh, I, I love I love that Neon thing he does in Hong Kong and at Apex. Uh, it's very Wingard. I, I jokingly call this uh, the guestzilla uh on litter Uh great no
0: notes for that review our yeah. fine, one of our finest film critics folks
2: <laughs> uh i i love this world i am i'm i really am in love with this movie i i loved it a lot i, I like the world building i like the hollow earth stuff it's doing i think that's a lot of fun uh, i like that mm. that world as it's presented i think visually it looks stunning yeah i, that, I like wow. Everything
0: I, in there is incredible. I'm so glad you you, you made a, a point to shout it out. Yeah. Uh,
2: I like so much that this movie lets us see the monsters in broad daylight and, and really doesn't pull any punches in that. I, I mean, this movie is advertising Godzilla versus Kong, uh, and, and I think that paints a very particular image of what it should be, and I think that's what it delivers. Uh, I think it does have some very, very generic tropes uh, that are easy to kind of... Telegraph, uh, but I think it does it well enough. And we've talked at that, about that before, where sometimes that work works and sometimes it doesn't. And I think it works well for me here. um I also think this movie really appreciates that these two titans own this world, uh, you know, and we're just living in it. uh We're playing second fiddle. This is not our story. Uh, I think that's something the other movies struggled with, where it made them feel like outsiders. And this is the first movie that really embraces its mythology that these these creatures own this world and we are just kind of along for the ride. Uh, I think it's clean. I think the action's clean. Um, And so, you know, and and I'm, I'm coming from a standpoint of not being a a Kaiju fan, not really being a Godzilla fan or a Kong fan. I've seen King Kong, the original, I've seen a couple of Godzilla movies. Uh, I think one good one and one not good one. Um, and, And so I have no real attachment to this other than the new, I should reiterate, I've seen the new ones, but I mean, the Toho stuff and, and the other actual traditional Godzilla stuff I haven't seen. Um, so I I have no real buy-in in in that regard. Uh, and you know, to Dalton's point, I do think, uh, you know, and I've really, if I, if I was wanting to get critical about this, I, I would have cut the entire entirety of the Millie Bobby Brown stuff. Uh, I, I, I feel like that's the least interesting thing going on in this movie. Um, and I understand why it's there. And I think there are other ways to get there. Um, but I really do feel like that's the most tacked on piece of this, this whole thing. Uh, I, I love it though. I, I love this movie. I, I think it is a good time. Uh, I I think it is a, a lot of fun. And I think sometimes uh, that's what a movie promises and that's what it delivers. And I, I don't think I can be too hard on it for that. So I, I am. Extremely pro Godzilla vs. Kong.
1: All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Um, I am also going to be on the pro side, but I'm more with, aligned with Dalton in that it is a big, loud, dumb movie. But that being said, it is very fun. Uh, Very, very fun. And I mean, it's like fun in all the right kinds of ways. It's fun in sort of filmy kind of ways, and also fun in just big, loud action movie kinds of ways. Uh, For instance, uh, I, since I had the opportunity to watch it at home, I don't know if you guys noticed that there was extra text that was being redacted over the opening title credits.
0: Yeah, that's a a fun thing they've done throughout all of these movies, I think. Right, Arthur? It's been going on for a while now. And so I
1: had the chances to slow down and pause it. I mean, again, this is just more about the franchise than it is about the film. But it was fun just to be able to see that. And there were character descriptions of the various actors. uh, And then there were other little descriptions of just uh, what sound effects and how they were put together, how costumes were made, etc. I didn't watch them all because it just got tedious. But... Nonetheless, uh, fun and uh, interesting stuff uh, there with that. And so it's got like all the filmy kind of stuff and it's got all the references. Uh, at one point, Kong, though in Hong Kong, uh, is on top of a building, that looks very like the Empire yep. State Building. Right. And so yep. they're, they're, they're getting some of that stuff played out in ways that work. I think Um, also weirdly uh, referential to Shrek, as we've already mentioned uh, and that Mm -hmm. opening scene. And then as I was watching it with my sons uh, and uh, he first arrives in a Edenic location, we'll say uh, as he does that, my son starts humming the Jurassic park theme and (laughs) says, well, they move in herds. They do move in herds. (laughs) Uh,
0: Tell your kiddo. I'll do him one even better. Uh, When, uh, Damien Brashier shows up to recruit Skarsgård, like that is just the start of Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. Beat for beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, and it's, it's doing that stuff with a wink and a nut.
0: Not, I mean, it, sure, it, sure, sure, sure. It's, it's cribbing uh, deliberately, yeah, I think. In,
1: in kind of a wise way. And, you know, and Dalton mentioned earlier that he thought, you know, he wanted to see Anna Wingard sort of making these sort of ha- small haunted house movies uh, with a few murders. I mean, that's just what he made. He just increased the scale. It's just the earth that's haunted.
0: And mm, okay. And
1: so, I mean, really, it's the same idea, though. It's it, it just that's the level of scale. And I think Wingard is, is fine, uh, at the realm, at the helm here, uh, handling that. And we've already mentioned the neon, which is great, but can I can't just tell you monster fighting choreography is a phrase I never thought I would say in my life.
2: <laughs> and
1: it's good. Like there's yeah. a couple underwater battles or semi underwater mm-hmm. battles and some on land battles where there's 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 some Kung Fu at work there. And I mean, this was beginning with Skull Island.
0: Yeah, no, there was a point where I this redacted character I thought was about to get put in an arm bar by Kong. There's some cool shit in here. Uh, and I, I, I should I, I clarify that I agree with Arthur to the extent that I think the monster action is at its best of the franchise here. Yeah, you're right, Dustin, these fights are fun and like, well done within the, the realm of a computer. I'm going to um, edit
2: that out so it just says, I agree with Arthur, because that's all that matters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: redaction is the key. I, I will mention, though, you guys talked about the special effects overall being really stunning, and I did feel like I saw the seams at times, particularly there is a moment where a kettle of fish is eaten by yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a yeah, character, yeah. and uh, I could really see the edges and the seams there, and a few other moments yeah. where I'm like, that's not a good call sure
0: and the actors are pretty poorly composited in yeah. more than once and there there are moments where it, it looks a little i don't know man cgi is getting to look real cheap these days yeah is all i'll say
2: I Wonder if it's just too rushed
0: i it's hard you know i don't know if it's a rush job thing i, I know that there are like smarter people than than i who have talked about this like even comparing things within the last, you know, 10 years or so and looking like stuff used to be a little bit better. And I, I think maybe it's a demand thing. Like there's just so many movies that require, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of special effects shots. Yeah. Like there's just kind of an overtaxed, uh, uh, you know, high demand, uh, l- low, uh, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that all is about, but so there are some definite cracks there. Um, I did love a little music drop from the guest, uh, that did make its way into the movie. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, uh, but there's a moment there where uh, he apes his own soundtrack. Uh, Win eleven and uh, what's his name get in the van, and
2: uh, oh yeah, that's so, cool.
1: Yeah, and it's like oh, that's from the guest soundtrack. That's very cool. Um, I don't. I think it's not a one to one, but it's it's close enough that you're like oh, I know that. And so he's even self-referential in, in those kind of ways. So it's Easter eggy. It's 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 smashy, punchy, fun. Um, there are a couple jokes that are okay. Um, there are bits that are fine. It's better than a Transformers movie and as good as you know uh, a second tier Marvel movie. So yeah, I'm there yeah. for it. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, hmm. I guess I have to say things now. It's my job. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm done take over let's but call it a night let's call it a night. we're finished um i think we'll actually expand the syllabus at this point um so if you were to teach this film in a class god bless you what films would you set alongside it or readings would you do and what would the class be a part of or what would the class overall look like i go to you first arthur let's say you
2: yeah, I, I really latched on to this Hollow Earth's idea. Uh, and so I think I'd probably flesh that into something. Um, mm. hey, I, Ar- I really struggled with this. Hey, <laughs> hey you, Ar- you just uh, mute yourself because it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I think that I uh, I would go from that, that point of view. Uh, so I would kind of tackle uh, that run, probably maybe discussing a little bit about the history of uh, the Hollow Earth theory, but really kind of getting into more of an adventure fiction thing. Uh, So we'd probably do a a lot of literary stuff. I I could see this in a literary class and just kind of be an an adventure fiction uh, portion of a lit class uh, and tackling Jules Verne, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, of course, uh, at the Earth's core, um, I I think would be the pivotal text there uh, and how Burroughs influenced a number of writers just across the spectrum uh and probably in particular get into some hp lovecraft as well at the mountains of madness and kind of just explore that idea of the unknown and, and you know the the world itself is so fascinating to me and and the, the things I you know i'm most terrified of like the bottom of the ocean which god kind of only knows what sort of weird monsters are under there uh, and the idea that beyond that there could be this other world uh altogether uh this primal where dinosaurs roam right i i think that's fascinating I, I think this is a a and we could talk about this in the course as well i think it's a fascinating area of literature that we really don't get adapted as often uh you might see variants of it such as jurassic park which kind of takes the core idea of you know the lost world or whatever uh and, and plants it into a, a modern way I, I think though that um there's a lot of interesting ideas uh, and that could be fun with adventure cinema. Uh, you know, we had that journey to the center of the earth with uh, Brandon, Fra- uh, Brendan Fraser. Uh, but even that was kind of hard. It's just like a kid's movie. Uh, I, I think there's a lot more richness to this um, Pacific Rim kind of gets into it a bit as well, but that's more of an alternate dimensions type thing. So I don't know. Uh, but I think that's where I'd go. And then probably, you know, we could probably start to kind of move into the, don't know how much we get into but we might look at some of the racial undertones of, of some of this work uh, as well um but yeah I, I, that's kind of what i was thinking as far as this course is going all righty well
1: thank you very much for that arthur that sounds good to me what do you say there uh diddy kong uh dalton
0: i'm glad arthur told me to mute but i because he needed to but i, I couldn't not start laughing at the idea of Arthur as a uh, Hollow Earth YouTuber uh, as like a sketch. <laughs> that's that's something I'd watch. Uh, th- anyway, I, I do love the Hollow Earth uh, in this Arthur. I'm glad you you uh, made sure to let people know. Like, yeah, this is this is a trope and a weird kind of little. Device that's uh, been around for a long time and kind of dominated like the uh, serials for a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean,
2: it's a theory that dates back to the 1600s, 1700s, and and was so far as debunked, I think, in the 1700s. But even then, it it just permeated much of the fiction of the, you know, 1800s and early 1900s.
0: Yeah, there's a a bunch of movies from the kind of classic uh, B driving era with this premise, too, right? Um, So, the the class that i'm going to do uh it's called let them fight uh or whoever wins we lose uh franchises in conflict that's right i just want to do a class about uh, crossovers uh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry <laughs> conflict <laughs> thank you arthur yes uh, uh yeah so we are of course going to be looking at dumb shit like uh, the alien versus predator movies freddie versus jason mm. uh batman v superman mm. uh, and, and civil war uh, maybe it. even dustin's beloved puppet master versus demonic toys
1: uh, you know that's one i haven't caught um so i'd have to see that one
0: <laughs> well, and again, this seems probably like a thin, uh, thin material for a class because we are really definitely talking about basically the same thing with all of these. But uh, you know, I, I'm uh, speaking of YouTubers. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like a conspiracy YouTuber in that uh, I gotta, I can talk about uh, 15 things uh, while still talking about one thing, and I think you can do that with all of these movies because they are all kind of. Uh, telling you a lot about the movies when you look at when they come out what they explore um, i i think there's some interesting ground to be tread here um is it a whole class worth i don't know that's why this is a thought experiment uh but with freddy versus jason you could look at you know the, the 80s genesis of these characters uh and sort of their uh freddy's uh, satanic panic origins um, and Jason's latchkey kid origins again. These two different fears uh, of both uh, children, and adults, uh, in this era, and we we move forward through you know two decades ish uh of lore and uh of history and these characters start to look like something very different when they get to uh the, the mid 2000s when they square off uh just kind of a weird trajectory for both of those characters uh likewise for alien versus predator much like uh godzilla v kong uh, it's, uh delivering on something uh promised right the idea that uh moviegoers were hungry uh for uh, the pages of comic books to come to them um because that was all the rage already at that point and uh, they were pretty viable franchises that uh, people had been getting together for a bit bad movies terrible movies uh frankly the worst of their uh, respective franchises but i think interesting in their just that they exist uh, I think interesting to look at certain like uh, the plot of uh, the first alien versus predator movie. I don't know if you'll recall is basically the plot of Prometheus, uh, which is also, you know, basically the plot of a lot of other movies, Uh but I, I think there's something interesting there. Um, I, I struggle to think of, well, I, I guess they already mentioned Jurassic Park, uh, but the, the ways in which that franchise uses the, the trope of a, the eccentric millionaire who has found alien stuff. I think that's that's all interesting. And, and again, I think gives us a lot of room to work with when talking about Godzilla versus Kong, the ways in which uh, this is a movie. Uh, about rich people doing what they want and using that power to uh, bend others to their will, which I, I think really is kind of the connecting line between these movies. Um, the uh, I have not seen Puppet Master vs. Demonic Toys, unfortunately, uh, but especially looking at something like uh, the, the, the superheroes fighting each other movies uh, really makes this explicit. These, these are all films about conflicts, that regular folk couldn't possibly hope to have an impact on. And gee, that sure sounds like most of human history uh, when you think about it. And and I think there's something there. Uh, I I don't know if there's a lot, but it's worth exploring. Uh, Dustin, do you have anything uh, to to wow our brains? No,
1: uh, not to wow your brains anyway, but I just got a thing. (laughs) Um, uh, What I would probably do is I actually teach the 1933 King Kong film every year uh in comp two and uh so i would uh d- and i don't really do it to teach the movie as much as i to teach an essay so i think if i was wa- using this film i'd probably go to the original king kong from 1933 and i'd probably pull out the original godzilla as well from the 50s i don't know the literature as well there for that and so i would simply say i would also original og godzilla and og analysis about it being about uh anxieties about nuclear war and uh, just the use of nuclear power uh, in general. And so I would, I simply just, I'll bracket that for now with my lack of knowledge to say I would go there as well. But with Kong, I would do that and I'd have two essays that I would have the students read. Uh, the one that I always do uh, already now, which is from uh, Jump Cup magazine back in the 70s, a guy called Philip Rosen wrote an uh, interesting little article called uh, King Kong Race, Sex, and Rebellion, in which he analyzes uh, the 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 racial component to King Kong, and I think I might have just won off this pretty quick last time uh, we were signing off on air. That King Kong fundamentally there's a there's a motif, there's a symbology there with a Kong as a body. It's a, it, a bunch of white guys get to a boat, they cross a body of water, they capture a black body, they put it in chains, they take it back across a body of water, and then they use it to make money with which they pay it no wages. It's I mean there's a stand in there automatically. And then the whiteness of Fay Ray versus the blackness of Kong's body and interracial marriage. All of those kind of connections uh, get made by Philip Rosen. But I also want to play on the other side of it, because I think this is where it gets important with looking at Kong versus Godzilla. Um, Looking at uh, X.J. Kennedy's uh, interesting essay, Who Killed King Kong? uh, Which is about the experience of watching King Kong in Harlem, in black neighborhoods, Uh, in basically all-Black movie theaters in the United States in the 1960s and 70s, and how there was something really liberatory and exciting about it. Uh, Kennedy does make the connection that at the end of that film, obviously a Black body is shot down by law enforcement, an unarmed Black body, uh, which is uh, something that speaks to our contemporary moment, I think, in, in powerful ways but still uh, finds a way to be exuberant about this film that carries a lot of anxieties and overtones um, that we would definitely consider to be racist in the 21st century. And yet there's also this other sort of uh, register on which uh, the film can land. And uh, so X.J. Kennedy's uh, work there, I think, would be really interesting. And then just to come back from those original works and what their original sort of... uh, scope and intentions were and then to go at uh kong versus godzilla godzilla versus kong i keep saying kong versus godzilla because i guess that's my team i guess i am team kong because i always want to say his name first <laughs> but um but anyway uh to go at it then from there and say now to what extent does this recapitulate those uh same discourses and conversations and to what extent does it revise them and what new issues and questions does this film raise i think that'd be a, a fun conversation in a senior level class or a graduate seminar i mean you wouldn't want to do this to freshmen but um i think it'd be a lot of fun uh, at least for a module on i don't know just some types of film analysis it would just be in some sort of film studies course i'm not sure what kind of class it'd find its way into but you could make it into a module into about anything film wise uh, as long as it's within, you know, it's obviously, it's about 50s French cinema, it won't work. But otherwise, you can probably find a place. So there you go. Those are my thoughts on uh, Godzilla versus Kong, uh, which is mostly about reading. Um, I think with that, though, it may be time to get down to business.
2: Do, 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 do.
1: Don't want to feed Arthur. He wants to hunt. That's uh, true. That's true. Um, hey. My kitchen. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Uh, Hi. We're, we're here to talk some analysis stuff. And uh, I was teasing at a thing just now uh, with, uh, especially with Philip Rosen's article, that um, Dalton has found in the Twitters. Um,
0: uh, actually, Arthur. Arthur. Excuse this. me. Arthur. But, uh, yeah, I, I am prepared to talk about it because I, I thought it might come up. Uh, yeah. Walter Chaw uh, at Mangioto on Twitter. Uh, good follow. Uh, if you, you you know like talking about movies and such, I uh, had a pretty good thread about this um, that just kind of touches on uh, that at the lowest levels. Kong and Godzilla are both foreigners in a strange land uh destroying American cities. Now they do of course end up in Hong Kong uh by the end of this film, but tr- traditionally Kong uh is laying way to New York uh and in this franchise I think Kong uh, or Godzilla's taken out Boston and San Francisco with his monster fighting antics. Houston um, I think. Was it Houston are, in the first one? It's got to be uh, the first the one is
2: San Francisco. It is San Francisco. Oh, I know and it's King uh, of the Monsters Boston, uh yeah they sure. drummed up with finway oh yeah,
0: right I, on, yeah i i just remember that because of the, they do a bit about uh, finway getting destroyed they
2: also take um, out nevada in the first one as well right as the those things are awakening with oh the, yeah, the yeah,
1: like yeah. The
0: erupting things yeah yeah well look i mean uh the, the runoff and uh, you know destruction of the colorado rivers what took care of nevada you know what i'm saying uh <laughs> But but yeah, I mean that, that's kind of the the long and the short of it, though. I I think uh, there there are people who with lived experiences that can talk uh, to what Dustin's getting at a little bit better than than we could possibly do here today. But but yeah, I mean there this is not something Dustin's pulling out of his ass. This is a discourse that exists around both of these characters for I, I think reasons that are pretty obvious.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so yeah, it, it, it does it negotiate it in an, in an okay way because we talked about how. And again, all spoiler bets are off now. We wanted these two to be friends, to hold hands and kiss and walk off in the sunset hand in hand together at the end of the film. We didn't quite
0: get that. Nah, sort of a uh, meaningful nod and then going of separate ways. Mutual
2: respect was earned.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I I, I don't know about that because even though, you know, there's a whole discussion about, you know, if uh, Godzilla is sort of a, a, a. an Asiatic kind of stand in cypher and uh, Kong being something of an African cypher. And there's a long history of uh, racial tensions between those groups and uh, using that tension and, you know, exciting it in some ways in order to uh, make a buck with a film is sort of objectionable. And then to have this movie with that nod, I don't know that the nod forgives the choice.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Walter Chaw's thread does a pretty good job of. It. If the text of this film doesn't really offer us anything, I mean, duh. It's. I mean, look at the movie you're watching. I, I think what we we can take from this is is folks like Chaw coming out and you know kind of teasing these threads out uh, in the public discourse uh, and, and pointing out the, the ways in which um, our co-occurring um, anti hate movements uh, that have been going on over the last year. Um, uh, in change coming up uh you know it speaks to something right it it speaks to the need of cross-racial cross-ethnic solidarity in the struggle for uh you know an end to people being violent um against folks for uh you know uh, arbitrary and and, uh societally ingrained reasons
1: but i think this is part of where i mean it is what it is i mean the movie is titled kong versus godzilla they're gonna fight But it is the use of violence and then the shared uh, cooperative use of violence that Mm -hmm. brings these folks together. And I, I ideologically, I find that really problematic
0: i mean there's a lot of ideological pro- sorry there's a lot that's ideologically problematic about this movie they have uh, one of the most popular uh, children child actors in the world talking about how fluoride's bad for you yes. that's pretty fucked yes. uh, i really don't like uh, arthur's no, already, yeah yeah arthur's already talked about uh the kind of despite how uh, you know endearing, not endearing, endearing Julian Dennison uh, and Millie Bobby Brown are, and how, you know, talented uh, Brian Tyree Henry are, I I shouldn't uh, diminish the child actors, they're also talented. Uh, You know, as fun as those three are together as sort of a Scooby-Doo unit, that whole subplot is suspect yeah. <laughs> for a lot of reasons and in a lot of ways, not the least of which being it encourages children to, uh, I don't know, listen to dipshits like us on a podcast for their, uh, their news and opinions.
1: Well, that, and that was something I wanted to work toward was that whole idea of g- giving a platform to conspiracy theorists,
0: right? And- mm, okay, well, we can, we can put a pin in that and get back to it. Uh, I just, I just name check that because that was something kind of, um, gave my sensibilities the the spider tingles right uh, yeah i mean there's there's a ton of stuff in this movie that's that's suspect but i mean it, it is this kind of movie right it it's is. it's couldn't possibly be all things because it's you know 150 plus million dollar production that is at the end of the day the promise to see two uh piles of polygons punch each other in the face a bunch <laughs> right
1: right for sure but, uh, but I'm not
0: I don't mean to like minimize your critique, though. I'm just like, yeah, I, I guess the fact that anybody is talking about the the larger societal concerns that we can kind of tease out by talking about this movie, that's good. And I, I think we should check the ways in which, you know, uh, all Hollywood movies are end up being about how conflict uh, is the the end all be all um, of resolution. Right. The, a fight must happen. Otherwise, nothing has been solved.
1: Right. There's some redemptive violence there. Yeah.
0: Sure. And, in, 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 you know, literally every Hollywood movie, uh, well, not every, I would say probably 70 percent of Hollywood movies made in the last, uh, well, all of Hollywood. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, is there a, like a larger, is there like a specific quibble, though, that you've got? Because I, I it seems like you've got something interesting in
1: mind. Well, I mean, I just simply I was thinking about how. Well, there's something that I want to like about it because okay. the evil, you know, industrialist
2: put gotcha. together okay.
1: this Frankenstein's monster that has gotten loose in the Mecha Godzilla, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've got that thing out there, and they've got to, you know, it's like, okay, really, we got to join together and we've got to take on that which causes poverty and all the other systemic social problems, you know, I mean, I, the sort of reaching hands of solidarity, you know, intersectionality kind of comes to mind a little bit there. And I'm like, Oh yeah. But then they don't actually become pals. They just like, okay, you know what? You fight good too. You punched me in the mouth and it hurt real bad. So I'm going to stay over here. You stay over there. We're going to stay in our own little worlds, but you know, respect or whatever. And I'm like, this is, is it is it remains a sort of ghettoized goal, and I just I'm troubled by that. Rather than I gotcha. yeah, they both go down to rule the Hollow Earth together, for instance, as opposed well, to know. King Kong, you know, being the boss down there while Godzilla is the boss up here.
0: Well, Dustin, I don't know if you know the expanded lore of of the MonsterVerse, but we do need Godzilla uh, on the surface protecting us from the uh, roaming monsters. The other other monsters unleashed in the previous movie. <laughs> Right, to be given uh, yeah, yeah, submission,
1: get, yeah.
0: I think I get what you're, you're you're getting at. Um, I and I am intrigued, right, by the evil, the role of the evil industrialist, which is, you know, not a uh, a role that is uh, uncommon in movies like this, right? I mean, that's the the uh, genesis of Mechagodzilla and all of his pre- previous permutations, isn't it? It's either the military or or some some rich dude, um, unless I'm mistaken.
1: I think that's right.
0: Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, you're you're kind of talking about what what can a movie like Godzilla versus Kong do for us socially speaking? And, and I think you you need look no further than the the bad representation that is is in this film, right? Like, it, it, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this because I, I think that we can just talk about things that'll be. Uh, more interesting and more interesting i don't know what adjective i want to use but i don't, I don't want to get too bogged out on this but yeah there there's uh, one japanese character rep- in this film uh you know and godzilla of course being one of the most successful uh japanese film characters of all time and uh, he's a bad guy and we learned nothing about him we had to look into uh summaries on the internet to learn that he was the uh, son of a previous major character in this franchise and uh you know and then uh kong's best friend is you know there's there's all kinds obviously kong's uh native tribe uh worshipers is kind of a, a, a sticky wicket uh in that franchise in general when you're dealing with with kong and, and the fact that there are human beings uh on skull island there's all you know and you i'm sure dustin the articles you mentioned probably uh the essays, rather, you mentioned. Touch on this, I can only assume. Yes. Uh, but it's, yeah, pr- a problem with Kong's, like, whole lore. Uh, I don't know that the right move for this film was to wipe out that entire group of people so they could uh, not have to deal with them, right? Uh, which I mean, it checks like, out, doesn't it? Uh, from a screenwriting standpoint? No, sure, from, a, from an imperialist standpoint. Well, and that as well, right? Because uh, screenwriting tends to be a little imperialist sometimes. Uh, and, and it's saying, uh, well, we, we need one hero to carry this leg of the journey. Because that's an easier way to write a movie, right? As opposed to how things actually happen in the real world, which is people have to agree to work together. Uh, you know, I don't know, unless you uh, disagree with that on a purely ideological standpoint.
1: Right. Well, and I think that really kind of closes up where I was just thinking about the idea of the conflict and the fact that by choosing these two particular characters, there's a racialized component to it. And uh, there needs to be more wisdom, I think, in the handling. And that's just simply all I wanted to – I wanted to tease out exactly what that meant and uh, where it goes. But let's move on, though, to the thing that you mentioned just a few moments ago, Dalton, which is that discussion – of giving a platform or broadcasting or giving legitimacy in some senses, mm. uh, in terms of screenwriting, to conspiracy theory, oh tin yeah. hat wearing crazy pants. The guy's right! I mean, that's the thing that's really, really troubling.
0: Right? Wait, the... Brian Tyree Henry's right yes. that you shouldn't drink
1: fluoride. No, he's right that the 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 baddies are making something mm-hmm. crazy yeah. down there and there's this, you know. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Godzilla. He's right about it. There's a conspiracy. Yeah, he's right about
0: Godzilla. So to put real conspiracies uh, that exist in our world on this side of the screen. Gotcha. Yeah, that's problematic. Uh and more than. Uh it's uh, troubling. Uh Eric Pearson and Max Bornstein uh cross the street if you see me. Um I got I got words for you and I don't think you want to hear them. Um, there are a lot of four letter ones. That's dumb stuff to put in your screenplay, dude. Uh, be funnier. I don't know what you want. Uh, that's the only criticism I have for them. Um,
1: though I have to say, if you say, um, I kind of thought you were a tap water guy was a really, really funny line.
0: It's yes. It's a good beat. It's pretty funny it's not worth it. No, it's no, absolutely (laughs) not. Yeah. I think it's irresponsible because I'm look guys, I I know you probably rationalize to yourself that children aren't going to internalize this. Children internalize all kinds of things. Uh, and this is a movie for children, uh, large and small. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's bad. I don't like it. Um, I don't know. It makes Brian Tyree Henry's character look stupid. And I, I think that's a character that shows himself to be, uh, very adaptable, very clever. Uh, you know, he's fearful, sure, but he he he's got a nose for the truth, and he wants to expose it and to make him a crackpot. In addition to that, it's just messy character writing. Right. I mean, it you definitely makes look, it makes him look like an idiot. You easily
1: could have written a whistleblower who is going to the press. You know, and I mean, there, there's a whole sort of Bob Woodward kind of you know deep throat version of this movie that could have been written with a with this sort of news thriller. Uh, I
0: brought this. Oh, go ahead. Uh, that's all. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say I brought this up a couple of times on the show, I think, but it's like how for a while every movie had drones, right? I just think we're entering the period where every movie uh, is going to have a podcast or a podcaster. Just it, it's a buzzword that people can put in their screenplay that convinces executives it's it's timely. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know. It's bad. I don't I don't want podcasts to exist in movies. I don't think is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, but I, I, just to sort of further suss out exactly what we're talking about, this level of irresponsibility—we sure. have just we have survived a year that was a decade, in mm. which groundless conspiracy theories um, have found their way into various platforms of social media, which includes podcasting platforms mm. um, and YouTube and, and
0: holiday dinner tables and holiday. Well,
1: there well, uh, sure. But the, the reason why they said what they said at the holiday dinner table is because they were tuned into the YouTube. You uh, got it. Of, you know, QAnon Shaman or whatever. Um, and those, you know, again, crazy pants people, they're watching this movie too. And they're thinking, see, sometimes we're right. You know, that's and what we're worried you have about. It.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm going to check you on the use of the crazy people language, uh, because that's my job as your friend, but Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, that's, that's, it's irresponsible. Like this movie was being written within the last four years. Yeah. Come on folks. Uh, again, I, I'm sure Eric and Max rationalized to themselves, uh, a whole bunch and maybe we're hung up on one scene in a two hour movie, a little too much, uh, for our own good, but I don't know. It's uh, dangerous maybe not irresponsible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially when, as we've alluded to uh, with our previous topic of conversation, there's other issues at play in this movie that you could be thinking about when you're writing the screenplay dudes. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, is what I, I've got for that. It's, it's, I'm glad you took note of it as well, Dustin, because it really did uh, leave a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, especially the Bleach stuff. And uh, maybe that was... Yeah. I don't know if... i Really especially the Bleach stuff. And again, you know, this movie's, uh I st- think, started filming in 2019. So, you know, it, it was in the can uh, when the pandemic shut everything down. So obviously, not a time... Uh, uh, or rather, a, a culturally relevant joke uh, when they wrote it. But still, man, it's just... Don't put stuff like that in a movie. Mass media matters. <laughs> at least some people think it does me included because I've devoted uh, the last uh, well we've all devoted the last decade better decade of better part of a decade of our lives to talking about this dumb stuff Um, yeah I don't know take your job as a screenwriter seriously I guess yeah I I don't know Arthur you've been quiet are we too hung up on this one scene
2: Mm, maybe I don't know I, I think those things are there obviously i, I mean to your point but I also yeah. it's such a mark i mean by the i mean it's what 20 minutes into the film uh and gets overshadowed pretty quickly so
0: yeah you're right people are still know. mixing their bunch of crunch into their popcorn at that point in the movie
2: or going to the bathroom at yeah, their home
0: absolutely that's yeah as soon as a road trip sequence starts you know that's usually when you can afford to get up and go to the bathroom um at home or, or in a theater. Uh, I think to
2: your point though, I think it is a weird, I mean, it's just a weird bit to put in the movie anyway. You know, I think that whole idea of the, the, the podcast and film, uh, in, in 2021 is, I mean, it's, it's odd, you know, this, because we've been so embroiled in podcasts ourselves, the three of us for the better part of a decade. Uh, you know, it's weird that presumably because all the celebrities are, have their own, uh, you know, podcast and it's become a whole new media sector. All right. It it feels much more in the common parlance.
0: They want to come over here and see how the better half lives. I get it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Lousy jerks ruining the the whole thing. Um, So uh, it is kind of obnoxious that we're, we're here now and it's starting to trickle into the, the, you know, mainstream. Uh, I think it is a little better executed though in Halloween. um, Yeah. Because I think in that movie, you know, that movie, not only is it kind of a setup for Michael Myers uh, appearance, but it also the arc of them trying to make notoriety on mm. what happened in Haddonfield uh, versus what happens to them as the characters, their, their, their characters, how they are um, spoiler alert off by Michael Myers. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What all? What all? uh, Grandiose dreaming podcasters hope for to be killed off by uh, your favorite uh, movie villain. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, stay
1: away from me.
2: I I think for for this movie, it just feels so much more kind of hackneyed and tacked on. Oh, he's a podcast guy. You know what I mean? Like it it feels more forced. I think in that regard. So structurally, I I find it annoying as well. But
0: yeah, it's it definitely feels like a weird. uh reversed order of operations to make brian tyree henry's character a podcaster who gets a job at uh, apex as opposed to an employee of apex who's as dustin already said blowing the whistle but then you know i I guess he's got a tragic backstory that informs that uh to that point though we don't know anything about that tragic backstory because as we've alluded to there are no human characters in this movie and i know what you're saying but Dalton there's lots of people in this movie I stand by what I said there's no human characters in this movie now can Kyle Chandler make me cry at the drop of a hat well yeah because he's Kyle Chandler and I'm an idiot but that doesn't mean that there's real characters in this movie this movie made me cry because movies are good at making you cry they're designed from the bottom up to do that um but nobody here has a real motivation nobody here has any real pathos or stakes and again I, I know that this is a big dumb monster movie and arthur said as arthur said those are the worst parts of the, the preceding movies by and large but i think there's good stuff i think the sam jackson and john c Riley stuff and in, in skull island is all really good
2: yeah, 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 uh, yeah.
0: i think the stuff with wants Snobby and king of the monsters is i mean he's like the emotional thread of that movie in a lot of ways i think it's great um i i like a lot of Stuff in the original. I'm now, again, I've only seen all of these movies the one time I saw them in theaters, and I was being uh, wowed by the sensory overload of IMAX. So, uh, you know, my memory could be uh, playing tricks on me. But I remember being moved at least a couple of times in the 2014 Godzilla, despite Aaron Taylor Johnson being an uninteresting actor.
2: I uh, think that movie's failure, in, in, in so far as, as what happens there, spoiler alert, uh, is them killing off Brian Cranston within 30 minutes uh, and putting the movie in the hands of a much less mm. charismatic or engaging actor for the next hour and a half while leaving the, the better actress uh, actor in San Francisco to cry on the phone every, every 20 minutes when they need an emotional anchor.
0: You read my mind. Yeah. You, you got, uh, you got Olsen sitting on the bench this whole time. You idiots. What are you doing?
2: That's your core. That's who you anchor that movie on. Bingo. Um, but I, I, you know, I think this movie, I, I think that, uh, I think the con Okay, so I I think what I one of the things that hit on my review of this movie is I, I love that there are two protag groups. Right, we've 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 essentially got a, a cast from a Godzilla movie doing their thing, and we've got the cast of a Kong movie doing their thing, and never the two twine you know shall meet. And and I really appreciate that that these two groups don't meet up and then like partner up and do things together. Like I, I like that there are kind of these two separate narrative threads taking place. Yeah. Um, and all the human characters are here really to supplement the 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 monsters, right? It's to get Kong where he needs to be, is to get to Godzilla where he needs to be, and it's to get us sure. to Mecca Godzilla. Um, but I I really think the Kong portion of this, you know, Rebecca Hall, uh that young girl, I forgot her name, uh Kaylee Hoddle and, and uh Skarsgard, I think there's a lot of that kind of John C. Riley element to them, especially that that what they are able to establish with Hoddle. Uh, yeah, well, and I and, think that part of the human story, while not great and, and not super fleshed out, I think works much better than the Godzilla portion of that with Millie Bobby Brown doing some weird Stranger Things season three riff with uh, Brian Tyree and and uh, Dennison.
0: Yeah, I, I I thought you might have been talking about that um, Hollow Earth journey to the Hollow Earth plot line when you kind of mentioned the ways that this movie does a good job of kind of incorporating the tone of both of the previous films yeah i, I agree with you I, I i think that that is kind of the stronger half of a movie in here um even if i don't love what scars guard's doing uh, and, and if i don't even if i don't love the uh very quick way we solve the problem of kong being stranded at sea uh, with the, the helicopter drops that came from nowhere
1: <laughs> when the helicopters have also
0: attracted godzilla i'm not normally a plot holes person but come on
2: i don't uh, know man could he sense the, the vibrations through the water i don't know uh, he's God. off licking his wounds man
0: and this is the conversation they had uh over skype that convinced them it would make sense to go and to the they
2: screen realized screen. they could just cut it off screen and it would not matter and nobody exactly. would give a shit well yeah, except for I me didn't.
0: pal <laughs> i noticed
2: we are the two viewers at both ends of the spectrum
0: <laughs> that's right baby uh yeah i agree with you i like that again uh if we want to get dip our toes back into uh, representation, identity politics type shit. Uh, Rebecca Hall is just absolutely carrying that part of the movie, which, you know, I, I I shouldn't sell Kaylee Hoddle short. I mean, I guess the two of them are carrying that entire part of the movie and really the whole movie uh, because they're, they're great together. They're fun. Uh, You know, I, I believe that they like each other. I believe that they have like a dynamic, Mm -hmm. uh, And maybe that's just because I like Rebecca Hall a lot as an actor. But, you know, it works for me. And really no scenes with human characters uh, work for me other than that. Except for the Ronnie Chung scene. That's pretty good, uh, where they bribe him into uh, revealing who buys (laughs) all the bleach. Yeah, that's (laughs) pretty good. That's a good bit. Um, I I guess I don't actually mind the uh, Stranger Things riff until uh, they they team up with Brian Tyree Henry. Because then the movie just kind of feels at a loss of how to... uh, portray these three interacting um I, I i don't know i agree with you though that i i like that there are two separate movies going on here because it it makes sense to have two human teams uh backing each each being super being which, which i think gets into the one of the themes that i've really liked about this whole franchise is just the idea that uh we think we control this planet at our own peril uh, yeah. i'm not saying the earth is hollow and full of giant monsters what i am saying is we are visitors on this mud rock and we should tread lightly <laughs> and we don't uh i don't know why we don't uh well i do actually uh dustin already said imperialism earlier it's probably that uh <laughs> but yeah this franchise really has succeeded at bringing that theme of the original godzilla um and, and in some cases uh, the original uh, king kong um into a modern lens just insofar as that it's getting at this idea that We're weird, small, tiny, insignificant things, Mm -hmm. um, uh, us people, and uh, we we should really try to uh, cooperate with the world around us and listen to it a little bit better. And I, I think yeah. uh, th- this series has done a good job of doing that without being too moralizing. And I don't know, maybe you could stand to have more to say in that regard. But I, I like the gesturing towards those themes, if nothing else.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it reinforces that, you know, I think so often that as, as just as human beings, we we so much center ourselves as the center of the, the, the human narrative, right? It, w- <laughs> this is our movie that's playing out. And this reminds us that we're just a small part in a much grander narrative. Uh, whatever that looks like, and you know, we are just kind of a a very very tiny piece of the puzzle. Well, and I um, guess
0: what I'm saying is, I think Kong and Zilla should have had more dialogue. I guess is what we're getting it, at. Yes. We know they're the real protagonists of the movie. They should have had more screen time. Uh, Kong's face is really well animated in this, and I think yeah. Zilla's is too. I think yeah. uh, the, the facial animation on these giant monsters does a lot of
1: work. Hey, there's no uh, reason why Kong can't be talking. There is a throne room with sculpted Kong statues and...
0: Well, he does talk. He speaks uh, ASL. Well, do- yeah. Okay, yeah. So,
1: I mean, there's no reason why language is outside of, you know, the realm of possibility there.
2: Look, Godzilla just has really tiny arms, so he can't sign properly.
0: Oh, my. Okay. Well, and yeah, we can't understand his vocalizations because our tiny minds can't <laughs> comprehend the information he's trying to pass. Look,
2: these creatures oh. communicate very well. We, Yeah, we're just beyond that limit, you know.
0: Okay, before uh, we get too
1: be- off the rails
0: with this. Well, I, I'm just going to say, I, I, I think uh, it, Arthur said it all already, but they do have a, you know, they made axes. They're a people. Yeah. They, are a, they are a civilization. They have thrones and, uh, and forging equipment.
1: Yeah. Uh, now, before we close out, though, I'd have one more sort of major area of, of discussion, I think. And uh, it is every film theorist's favorite topic of discussion. When it comes to cinema studies. O-tourism? Which is what's that? O-tourism? No. The death of cinema. Ah. Uh, is it now? Christopher Nolan says so. We've killed it. It's all dead now because um I Dalton, you watched it in a theater, uh you you caught an IMAX, right?
0: No, uh, no. I talked myself out of doing oh, it. Did you? I didn't I did end up watching it with friends uh on, on a voice call. Uh, I decided I would rather watch it with people I like than try to game out the time I could be around the least amount of people. Fair,
1: fair, but we've got to watch a new release at home. Cinema's dead because we watched it at home. What? You...
0: No, this movie dead... brought in
2: three hundred million dollars worldwide. It's it's not hurting. Cinema's go. not dead. Yeah, uh, cinema was just... dead because theaters were closed. I mean,
0: boom. <laughs> um, you, you could argue that maybe America's dead as a place whose box office you care about. Yeah, Um, yeah. that argument you could make. I think,
2: Um, I think it's a great evolutionary step in the distribution model, right? Because of the uh, equality of access to these these movies. Absolutely,
0: going to the damn picture show is expensive, man. People can't afford to do that.
2: We alluded to. I don't remember if we talked about it off air last week or not, but you know, Dustin mentioned it. Yeah, you know, Dustin has a family of five. Yeah, And, and so if he wanted to go to the movies, especially like at the Warren. Uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a regal theater, uh, it's going to be a pricey tag, especially once you factor in snacks and time and, and the, the idea of being able to wake up on a Friday morning or a, you know, a Saturday morning and checking out the hot new release. Uh, I think it's a great equation and, and we haven't really d- just had a chance to discuss this new distribution model. Uh, and I'm glad Dustin brought it up cause I was about to, uh, before we closed, uh, because, We we've alluded to some of this with Netflix, right? I mean, but even Netflix's big movies don't feel blockbuster big, right? I mean, they have the prestige stuff, which kind of feels prestige-y, but they're they're you know their extractions, their what was the one with Charlie's last summer?
0: Yeah, um, the old card. card. I was just about to mention that. Yeah, Yeah, those
2: movies they have the blockbuster trappings but they don't feel like true blockbuster spectaculars and i think part of that's just the watered down nature of netflix's model of dropping a new movie every week to the point that it's just overly saturated their market and nothing feels important anymore
0: yeah the, the closest they can get like you said is something like uh, the old guard which is you know a, a, a blockbuster in the same way that john wick's a blockbuster which is sure. to say it's it's got uh, high appeal with people of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is definitely targeted at an older demographic mm-hmm. and it's, you know, uh, a mid budget movie by a uh, big studio production standards. Uh, it's not a huge budget. Their biggest budget. Uh, I, I think they've ac- exceeded bright, but for a while, bright was the most money they spent on anything. And that movie didn't look great. Uh, it didn't look like a hundred million dollars.
1: Well, and even that uh... thing, Will Smith, I think.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, probably. probably yeah. Uh, but even six underground their Michael Bay film with yeah. Ryan Reynolds, right? I mean, it's a forgotten footnote in their uh, their utterly endless filmography that they've produced.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's pro there's pros and cons, right? I, I think it's uh, look, I get why Denis Villeneuve and Nolan are pissed. Um, and, and, you know, they're not the only ones. Right. I just mentioned them because they work for Warner Brothers. Uh, and uh, Denis got a movie hitting uh, HBO Max that he wanted people to go see on the screen.
2: And it was handled very shady.
0: Yeah, it was pretty shady. Uh, yeah, they did not really tell anybody about this one. Um, and I know Legendary uh, was pretty pissed off about yeah. it. The uh, co-finan... Or not the co-financier. The, uh, I believe... The studio? Uh, the studio on this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Warner Brothers is just the distributor, right?
2: Yep, I'm pretty positive.
0: Yeah, so they they... Again, I made that bridge burning joke at the top of the show. I I think the damage done is going to be more in business relationships than in the way we watch movies, probably, because they're not doing this in 2022. They've already announced that um, and Paramount Plus is going to be doing this sort of, but they're going to be letting movies play in theaters for a while before they hit Paramount Plus, I think.
2: Yeah, 45 uh, days is their window.
0: Yeah, which again, I think there is something to that. I think forty five days, since all these studios are going to have their own streaming service, I think forty five days is a reasonable window. That's when stuff starts falling off the top twenty, pretty much these days anyway, unless you've got you know a real monster on your hands.
2: And you know, Disney's attempting this with their same day premiere plus, but I I mean, HBO Max is making that look like a joke, right? (laughs) I am not going to pay thirty bucks to watch Black Widow when I could go see it in theaters for you know five or ten,
0: right? Or if, you know, you're a real outlaw, you could pirate it very easily. Um, not that I'm advocating that, although maybe I am.
2: Something, something, disclaimer, something, something. I'm just saying, if you're going (laughs) to steal
0: movies, you should steal from Disney. I know you wouldn't steal a car, but a movie's not a car, is it? (laughs) Um,
2: This B-roll of Casablanca looks really good under your voiceover.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I, I, I cut it myself, um. I feel like that—that's the the only real death of cinema conversation here is are, are blockbusters uh, officially worthless? I, I don't worthless is maybe the wrong word, but have have we reached the point of giving up on blockbusters being anything other than a good time? Uh, are movies that are you know machines that generate empathy and blockbusters two separate buckets at this point? Um, I don't know. Th- this movie's made me close to a misanthrope. Um, Believe it or not, I I have a pretty sunny view of people, despite my kind of salty disposition. Um, But I do not care about anybody in this movie, and I find myself less and less caring about people in blockbusters. I used to think a lot about the uh, mass destruction in these types of movies, uh, and this franchise used to as well, right? The first uh, Godzilla in this franchise is very much uh, exists in the shadow of all the movies of 2011 through 2013 that didn't really think about mass casualties and mass destruction too much. Um, this movie doesn't think about that stuff at all, not even a little bit. Um, Hong Kong uh, has got a body count uh, by the time these two uh, fellas are done duking it out with Mechagodzilla. I don't know. I think that's bad. I still don't like that. I I guess I've reached a point in my film watching where I'm desensitized enough that I notice it when movies don't address it, but I I, I guess I don't care anymore, and I kind of hate that. I hate that I don't really care anymore um, uh, outside of just kind of like a a vague philosophical kind of caring. I don't know. That's some death of cinema stuff to me. I I don't know about whether or not it's on your TV or your laptop or a big screen with strangers.
2: I think, you know, to get back into that idea of the death of cinema, we have to go back to what 2000 and the mid two thousands when it it pivoted hard towards the tentpole film. Right. I, I mean, it got harder and harder for small indie movies to get, Uh, not necessarily indie movies, but small studio movies to find real estate to play, you know, especially in smaller towns, smaller markets that had one to two screens. Uh, The only movies going to be showing there are MCU or Disney, you know, Pixar Uh, and, and then whatever big horror movies coming out in October. Uh, And so I I think the, the evolution of cinema and distribution, uh, I I think if nothing else, I think 2020 reinforced this is that uh, the streaming model has opened up more avenues and more uh, opportunities for, for eyes on uh, smaller movies, whether they're from a studio or whether independent releases. And so, you know, it it was so easy last summer to say, this is the death of cinema. And I'm sure, I'm sure many thought so because they took big hits, you know, not just the studios, but also mom and pop theaters had to close. Won't be reopening. Uh, And so I'm sure many, especially for old time. Exhibitors, it it probably was for them and and for some of them, it was the death of of their cinema. Uh, But much like the the Titans, you know, the times evolve and things shape and you have to pivot. And if you can survive in that pivot, um, I I think cinema is doing fine.
0: That said, now would probably be a good time to start thinking about opening a repertory theater if you've got a lot of money lying around.
2: I just uh, saw something about Rodeo moving into the Paramount Screening Room, too. a second Maybe a second location there or something? Oh, good for them. That's awesome.
0: Cool. Um, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, Rodeo Cinema, for those of you that aren't locals, is a, a great one-screen theater uh, here in Oklahoma City that uh, does a lot of cool shit. You should go check them out. Um, and also, one of the managers uh, uh, is the uh, singer uh vocalist, I guess I should say, uh for the band Chat Pile. What come on, two great tastes that go great together. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and uh good for the Paramount, you know. They uh they went through a hard time in twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, so that's that's cool. Uh, yeah, Arthur's right, like um the days of a, a family owning a small regional chain um is probably long dead and over, but you know, that means people can uh Operate, you know, a, a three to four screener, right? And then, you know, show things they care about showing and not just uh, what Disney says they have to show if they want the next Marvel movie.
2: I think if anything, you know, as long as cameras exist, movies exist. You got it. And whatever that looks like might change, evolve, be weird or different. Uh, in a movies, cinema isn't dead. Exhibition could die. Cinema won't die.
0: It'd be cool if exhibition didn't die though. I like crying uh, in a dark room. Oh, no, I love
2: strangers. No, I love the theater. I love the theatrical experience so much. But
0: yeah, maybe it's cuz I went to church camp uh, a lot as a youth, but uh, I definitely get something out of uh, a big cry uh, around people I don't know very well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's that's very funny. Interesting Thank you. Connection I thought it was funny. Well done.
0: Oh, I don't think it's that interesting of a connection. We can talk about it off mic. Uh, uh... Should we render a verdict at yes. that time? Yes, we should. Uh, so,
1: with that, let's do that. What do you say, Dalton? Shelf for trash?
0: Um, I mean, it'll be back on HBO Max uh, in like three months after it leaves, right? Right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if you're vaccinated, you should go see it in a the theater, because I bet it looks cool on an IMAX screen. Uh, you don't need to buy this movie. Uh, I don't think you need to buy any of the MonsterVerse movies. Even uh, you know, I, I like all of them varying amounts, and none of them is worth owning, is what I would say. All right, there you go. What do you say,
1: uh, Arthur?
2: Um, yeah, I'm gonna shelf it uh, just for the fun of it. Uh, of of the MonsterVerse, this is the one I would shelf. Probably with Skull Island. Actually, I, I like Skull Island quite a bit as well. Um, something about that Kong. Tell you what, he's a hunk. That's what I got. All
1: right. Thank you very much for that. I would say shelf Skull Island, but not this one. This one's fine. But yeah, Skull Island's really the great entry in the whole franchise as far as I'm concerned. And I would be willing to shelf it, but not this one. So nope. Well, trash for me.
0: You know what it sounds like to me? A bunch of Skull Island heads over here. Sounds like we're going to be talking about Jordan Voight-Roberts' uh, Metal Gear Solid movie if it ever, uh, you know, sees the light of day. Okay. You know about this? No. Is is this this too too much a Dalton area of interest thing? Probably. Well, they've got got Oscar Oscar Isaac attached to play Solid Snake. We'll talk about it later.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dalton, tell them how they can talk to us.
0: Oh, God, do I have to? Well, look, if you watched uh, Godzilla vs. Kong and thought to yourself, I want to chase down a podcaster, I know. Please don't. Please don't come find me. (laughs) Your favorite podcaster does not want that from you. Uh, That said, if you do want to participate in the conversation about movies, we would love that. Just let's keep it you know let, let's keep it uh professional folks uh we're over on twitter at good underscore trash uh not just this podcast but all of the podcasts made by people we know um did you like last week's episode of, uh, of the life of brian with our pals heath and alex you can get more heath and alex uh that's the praise down with heath and alex a very good show uh, about uh contemporary christian music and uh, christian culture at large uh I, I know i plugged it on last week's episode but uh the the recent uh guest hannah brought on this uh e p uh from an artist called semler uh s e m e l e r i'll i'll double check here in a second but my point is it's a great episode of of their show uh for anybody that's not uh Listen to it before. I think it's a great entry point. Um, I, th- they did a little bit of a, a long haul, uh, discovering the work of uh, one Carmen after he passed. I wouldn't recommend you jump in there. That's, that's kind of for a uh, long-term praise heads. Uh, but I, I definitely would check out that recent episode if you haven't checked out their show before, because I think it gets, uh, kind of gets at what their show's deal is in, in a really succinct way. Um, You should also check out The Wheel of Randy with Dan Wade, an incredibly funny podcast uh, and an incredibly interesting podcast. Uh, Do you like Randy Newman? Go listen to this. Do you not like Randy Newman? Well, I'm not really a huge fan of the guy either, but I find him interesting and I like this podcast. You should go check it out. Um, Both of those shows have their own Twitter handles and you can find those handles... In our bio, once again, that's over at good underscore trash. See how I wrapped it around like that? Pretty cool, huh? We'll check out this next part. If you listen to this show and you like it, you should rate, review, and subscribe to it. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're not on Spotify yet. Maybe someday. Something to dream for, kids. Uh, if you like uh, the show enough that you want to write us a, like, a long letter, you can go over to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, that's where you can send your long-form feedback. I think I'm done. Whew. Arthur, I'm not going to plug the Patreon because we are behind on our bonus show. But I do believe, unless I'm not mistaken, the next week's episode is a Patreon pick. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, you're right about that. So we're in a real catch-22 situation here. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, so for our uh, certain Patreon tiers, you can uh, pay enough money and you can force us to watch things. Uh, several uh, people have made great advantage of that. Some would uh, argue
0: it's worth more than listening to us play a tabletop Uh,
2: at this rate. Yes, it is. Um, (laughs) uh, So next week, our our dear friend, Keith, and who always has a fun, uh, exciting adventure for us. uh, Let me know that he really loved. And and I I did too. And I think we all did our our song of praise marathon last year about song gang ho uh, and celebrating his career. So uh, in that vein, he has decided to have us watch Park Chan-wook's Joint Security Area from 2000 starring Song Kang-ho early in his career. Uh, And uh, we're going to have a very special guest on that episode as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Joint Security Area is streaming available on the Criterion channel. If you subscribe, uh, you can probably find it maybe other places, maybe Canopy or something. I don't know. Uh, go to Just Watch and find out. Uh, I'm getting all the plugs in today because we're going to get sponsored someday, or I'm going to die trying.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for that, Arthur. You know what's next. You know what we just did. You keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time.
0: Let them fight! I'm not afraid.